0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. and. Uh... Didn't introduce myself earlier, but my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor. If we haven't had the chance uh, to meet, and uh, so excited to open God's Word this morning, and uh, as we walk through a series we're in right now called "We Don't Talk About," I don't know if you guys have had this experience at Christmas time, but we walk into Giant Eagle, maybe walk into Walmart, and there's the Salvation Army kettle right there. Person ringing the bell, and uh, I don't know what what you kind of do. Uh, in those moments, but maybe maybe you happen to have a few dollars or some change in your pocket and you drop it in and go in, or maybe you 're one of the rare people that uh, you go buy something and you get some money back, so you can put money in the in the kettle and you walk by and you put money in the kettle, or maybe you 're even one of the mo- even more rare people that you actually give more than just a few dollars. One of my favorite things to do at Christmas time with my my kids is to, uh, to ring the bell for Salvation Army. And we'll usually be here at Giant Eagle and we'll uh, you know, be there ringing the bell. And, and there's something interesting that'll happen. Every so often you'll get someone that puts like a $20 bill or a $50 bill in. And, and when, when someone does that, if you were ringing the bell, what would you think? Uh, you'd probably think like that person must be pretty well off. Like they must have pretty wealthy. Um, why is that? Why, why, do we, why do we think that way? Um, it might sound like a stereotype, but it, it's very true. When someone gives what we might equate as an above average amount for anything, whether it's, you know, the, the kettle, Salvation Army uh, kettle, or whether it's, you know, to a family in need, or maybe to our kids' sports team, the working assumption is that they must have an awful lot of money to be able to do that, right? And, and there's kind of a premise that we operate with based on this topic. And this is the premise, that we give out of the excess that we have left over, So uh, someone that gives a larger amount, they give it because there's an excess that they have left over. We give out of an excess that we have left over. So the thought is, man, they must be really rich, and they've paid for all their bills, and they've got everything, and they must have extra left over, so they give the extra. That's the premise. This makes good fiscal sense. In fact, it's not wise to overspend or put yourself in a difficult place financially. And because of this, we are generous when we have enough to be generous with. And if things are tight or we perceive things are tight, we become, quote, unquote, less generous, right? And the question I want to ask today as we continue the series we don't talk about, we're going to be talking about uh, the church's calling to the poor. And here's the question I have. Is it God's intent that we determine our generosity toward those in need based on what we have available to us? It makes logical sense, but here's the question Does it make biblical sense? In in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, it says, If the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. So, what, what do we learn here? That when we are generous, when we give, we experience a blessing. Like we're blessed in some way. What does that mean? Does that mean that I can give my way to being rich and wealthy? Maybe not in the sense that you think. That's not what God's talking about, but that we are blessed. Uh, Later in the second part of the Bible, so Proverbs is located in the first part of the Bible known as the Old Testament. Second part is kind of half of the Bible is known as the New Testament. Uh, Jesus is having this conversation with this man that that we've referred to often as a rich young roller. He was a man who was very wealthy, very successful, and he was coming into Jesus asking him, what must I do to be saved? How can I follow you? I want to be part of your kingdom that you talk so much about. And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. He said, one thing you lack and Understand, this guy was wealthy. He didn't lack much. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is pretty remarkable. This is like a revolutionary statement. A man who has lack for nothing is just told, go sell everything and give it to the poor. That's the one thing you you lack. It's a pretty countercultural, upside-down idea. Now, to kind of dive into this topic a little bit more, I want to do a case study of sorts. I think case studies can be valuable when you look at a situation and take some principles out of it. I want to look at a case study of sorts with the Macedonian churches in the first century that the Apostle Paul helped start. In the first century, Paul wrote a lot of letters to different churches that we now know as books of the New Testament. They're referred to as epistles, which is a letter written by an apostle. And Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians, the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthians weren't in the Macedonian province, but, but he was writing to them, encouraging them, with the, the, what the Macedonian churches had done. And what he was writing about was a collection that he had asked many of the churches to take up to help the church in Jerusalem. Now, the church in Jerusalem is where everything started, right? Uh, the church in Jerusalem was, was experiencing incredible hardship. So he's encouraging the Corinthians and other churches to, uh, to be generous. And as and, and he's, he's encouraging them, he wanted to share the story of what, what had happened in the Macedonian churches and their generosity. Here's, here's what, he, what was happening. Uh, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writes this, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, what took place here was about two years earlier, the Apostle Paul had stopped for the night in a a city called Troas. And Troas was located on the eastern coast of the Aegean Sea. His plan was to visit all the churches in Asia, but in the middle of the night, he gets this vision of this Macedonian man. And, And in the vision... Uh, the man is calling him and compelling him, and saying, Come to Macedonia, please. Now, uh, Paul and his traveling companions, for whatever reason, it felt like the Holy Spirit was keeping them from going into Asia. Macedonia wasn't in Asia. So uh, they were wanting to go in Asia, and it felt like they were like, kind of getting this check in their spirit. They kind of just felt this uneasy feeling like we're not supposed to go to Asia. And they didn't know why, so they weren't going. And, and now Paul has this vision of this Macedonian man and says, Go to, 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 to Macedonia. So they. They pack up, leave Troas, and head to Macedonia. They sail across the Aegean Sea and begin planting churches in cities all throughout the Macedonian province with names that many of us might even recognize. Macedonia became home to a number of these early churches that Paul wrote letters to churches in cities like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. These young Macedonian churches, from the very beginning, were so severely persecuted that they found themselves financially strapped. They were dirt poor. In fact, the Bible says in in 2 Corinthians that they were experiencing down to the depths poverty, yet their compassion for these persecuted Jewish believers in Jerusalem was so great, and their willingness to act so big that they became an example of generosity to all the churches. More remarkable than the gift that they made was was the way it happened. Paul writes about uh, that it was a special grace that was given by God. The Macedonians' uh, pockets were empty, but their hearts were full. They were overwhelmed with gratitude to the believers in Jerusalem who had put aside their distaste for Gentiles. You have to understand, the Jews and Gentiles at this time in the church were this huge rift. We talk about it living in a polarized world. They had experienced polarization. You had the Jews who had come to Christ, and you had the Gentiles, and the Jews uh, didn't like the Gentiles and vice versa. And, and the Jews in Jerusalem had put aside their distaste for Gentiles and welcomed the Gentiles into the church and said, you can come into the church. And, and, and these Gentiles in, in the Macedonian province felt so grateful that, that, that they were given this opportunity. They were given the most precious gift they had, which was the gospel of Jesus, And now the Macedonians were eager to help the Jews in return. So they gave. First they gave everything that they were able to. Then they gave more than they were able to. Here's what it says in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 8. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then, by the will of God, also to us. Now, look at that closely. You've maybe heard of people living beyond their means. Uh, we, that's pretty common in today's world, unfortunately. The Macedonians were giving beyond their means. How crazy and remarkable is this? The, the implication is that they were giving away things that they knew they needed. But this is key. They gave themselves first to God, demonstrating an incredible level of trust in God's provision for them. And it seems that trust was rewarded as God multiplied his gifts. We have become so used to living beyond our means in today's society. We put everything on credit. We say, I can't afford this, but I'll afford it eventually, right? And we can buy stuff. We can have all the nicest stuff. And and we basically... uh, get ourselves in debt over our eyes, and, and we're, we're stuck. And that's so common, debt and, and living beyond our means is almost like an acceptable, normal practice in today's society. And the Macedonians lived in a way that was so different than that. They weren't living beyond their means, they were giving beyond their means. We live at a time in American culture where there can be a whole lot of baggage and stereotypes around helping those in need or the poor. We can share our frustrations with the the modern welfare system, with with the handouts we might say are given to those in need, but the calling God has given for the church and us as followers of Jesus is pretty clear. We are called to help the poor. Our calling is ultimately to help those in need, In fact, I would argue that in 1935, when President Roosevelt signed into law what has become the modern welfare system in our nation, that this was done because the church had relinquished its responsibility in providing and helping the poor in our country. This is the church's place. This is our calling. This should be our practice from the very beginning, this was the church's calling. The church started in this explosive manner in Acts chapter 2. And if you haven't read it, read the chapter Acts chapter 2. It's in a remarkable chapter. There was only 120 believers, followers of Jesus. And, and then the, the Holy Spirit falls and, 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 and fills these new believers. And, and it, just like that, there's over 3,000. Like the church explodes all in one day. And from the beginning, at the end of Acts chapter two, the the the, the passage, the paragraph, right at the end of Acts chapter two, here's what it says in verse forty four of Acts two. It says, "All the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen to this: they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need." From the beginning. There was no one collecting an offering. There was no one saying, hey, we're going to pass the plate, let's collect the offering. From the beginning, their calling was so clear. The very first action the church would take together beyond sharing the gospel was to give to those in need. Generosity was not determined by the amount they had. It was determined by the calling they had. And and we as a church, the church of Jesus Christ, has a very, very clear calling. It's not to gather and to to do our church religious thing. It is to help the poor. It is to help those in need. Unfortunately, this calling has been exploited over the years. And it's brought us to a place in 2022 where many Christians and others are pretty leery of Christian leaders talking about money. Because we've lived through so many high-profile leaders and evangelists who have exploited this calling just to build their own financial empires. And it's unfortunate, it's sad, because it's caused us as the American church to further push ourselves away from meeting the needs of society, all the while the church in America has found itself dirt poor itself. The church in America is very, very poor.